Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Hey, what's going on? It's Devin with a short announcement before we get started. One of our sister podcasts from KQED, the California Report Magazine, is hosting a night of live storytelling and music next week. It's actually going to feature some KQED journalists that you hear on the Bay. That's happening next Thursday, November 21st at the Brava Theater in San Francisco's Mission District. For more details, check out kqed.org slash events, or you can tap the link in our episode notes. Okay, now for today's show, which I have to warn you, has some profanity near the top of the episode, so just be ready. Here we go. You've probably heard the name Chase Boudin. He's the guy who won the race for district attorney in San Francisco, he wants to reform the criminal justice system, get rid of mass incarceration, and he's actually got some ideas to do this. But many still see his election as a leap of faith. I felt that San Francisco was at a crossroads, and I felt that the movement nationally, the criminal justice reform movement, was at a crossroads. Chesa Boudin is a public defender for the city, and he's never actually prosecuted a case. So how does he plan to reshape San Francisco's criminal justice system? And why is the rest of the country watching? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. So I was at Chesa Boudin's election party, which was at an open-air food truck park in Soma in San Francisco. Mary Franklin Harvin is a reporter with KQED. The night started off kind of slow there, but at that point, there was basically standing room only in front of the stage. Chesa! 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 Current supervisors and former supervisors, including Jane Kim and Matt Haney were on the stage with Supervisor Sandra Lee Fewer, who represents the Richmond District. So we are going to start with our District 1 Supervisor, Sandra Lee. She came on stage and said, I just want to say one thing. Uh, I just got one thing to say, which is, fuck the PLA! POA being the Police Officers Association. The Police Officers Association. And then the room erupted into chants. What does that mean in the context of this election? Like, what does that symbolize? I think it symbolizes sort of the the differing philosophies that voters and 
potentially even law enforcement have about the way that they feel like crime should be handled in the city. In expressing the frustration that she did, I think that Fewer is serving as a stand-in for San Francisco voters who are frustrated with the criminal justice system that they feel like oftentimes might be working against them instead of for them. News in the San Francisco District Attorney's race just over an hour ago. Interim DA Susie Loftus conceded the race to challenger Chesa Boudin. And that's after the latest vote. Why was Chesa Boudin's election such a national story? He has a compelling personal story going into it. Both of his parents were, and one of them still is, his father still is incarcerated. What I understand happened is my parents left me at the babysitter, intended to pick me up at the end of the day but uh, participated as really switch car drivers. They weren't at the scene of the armed robbery. They were about a mile away. And the people who did the robbery were part of the Black Liberation Army. They stole uh, $1.6 million from a Brinks truck, in the process killed one of the security guards, severely injured another one. And they made off with the money and transferred the money and the guns into the back of a U-Haul truck my parents were driving. They were members of the Weather Underground, and so he talks about how some of his early memories were having to go through a metal detector just to be able to hug his parents. I spent much of my life in various capacities advocating for criminal justice reform. I wrote my first letter advocating for policy change when I was 10 years old to a prison warden. And it's been something I've thought about and worked on in various capacities and and as a researcher at Yale Law School in partnership with the Association of State Correctional Administrators, as a public defender in San Francisco. And I've loved the work I've done as a public defender doing direct service for individual people. But I was increasingly frustrated with what I saw and experienced as systemic failures. The argument that he makes about being able to understand the criminal justice system from the inside and out is one that resonates with people. The criminal justice system and prisons as they exist today are mostly not making us safer. There is this theme of more liberal district attorneys being elected as potentially a check on what's going on federally, which is skewing more conservative. Um, from a circuit judge nomination perspective. Well, at the state and local level, we're electing district attorneys like me, like Larry Krasner, like Rachel Rollins in Boston, who are reimagining and reinventing how we understand public safety and criminal justice. And it's not just in progressive places. Kim Ogg was elected as district attorney of Harris County in Texas in 2016. That includes Houston. They had the highest rate of of executions of any county in Texas. And she ran on, on capital punishment reform. And she won. I think that that's, that's a sign that people across the country, they want a more productive and holistic approach to their criminal justice system. So what is on Boudin's agenda? What does he want to do and how does he intend 
to reform the criminal justice system. So eliminating mass incarceration is the biggest umbrella of his platform. The criminal justice system and prisons as they exist today are mostly not making us safer and are mostly actually creating more violence, both inside prisons and when people come home to communities. It encompasses things like restorative justice, eliminating money bail. Boudin feels like money bail disenfranchises people who don't have resources and potentially puts people who could be dangerous at an advantage just because they do have resources. He wants to end wrongful convictions. He wants to create a wrongful convictions unit within the DA's office. And he's also interested in some of these quality of life reforms, including setting up what would be sort of a public-private partnership with the city that would collect a fund that people could tap into if their windows were broken. I've heard Chase Boudin talk about being like a victim's first kind of guy and having like a victim's first office. What does he mean by that? I mean, to me, the restorative justice component is what speaks most strongly to that. I think he wants victims to be able to have a say in the way that their perpetrators are punished. You know, do they want um, financial reparations? Do they want jail time? You know, how would the perpetrator actually be able to directly contribute to writing the way that they were wronged. When a gang member commits a violent crime, shouldn't they go to prison for as long as the law allows? Jessa Boudin said he wouldn't seek maximum... Police unions spent hundreds of thousands of dollars against Chase Boudin's campaign. And a lot of this money was coming in from other cities. LA police unions spent $150,000 against Boudin, $25,000 from San Jose, $25,000 from New York. Um, what, what are these groups afraid of? And why is this money coming in from other cities? Yeah, I, I do think that the, the POA, not just in San Francisco, might see... Boudin as a threat to the level of power that they have. Boudin was by far the most progressive candidate in the race, and this is why the police union singled him out. Progressivism was also a source of tension between the police union and Boudin's predecessor, George Gascon. But Boudin is even more progressive than Gascon. For example, he was the only candidate in the race who questioned why no charges were filed against officers involved in the Mario Wood shooting back in 2015. My name is Tony Montoya, and I'm the president of the San Francisco Police Officers Association. When I asked Tony Montoya about the over... $650,000 that the POA had sent in. He said he thought that the legislation that Boudin supported creates a criminal first and victim last system. Like I said, th this was never about Mr. Boudin as a person. This is about his, his policy and his ideas. They're concerned about his policy of not sending prosecutors to parole hearings to protest early release of what he said might be some of the most violent criminals. Growing up as a child, if I did something wrong, there were consequences to reinforce 
that what I did was wrong. And we're simply saying that there needs to be accountability for people that are breaking the law. Boudin feels like just putting people in jail is punishment without true accountability, whereas approaching things with a restorative justice bent provides accountability for perpetrators to truly take responsibility and understand their crime and the impact that it's had on victims. It's going to take the will of the prosecutor to actually prosecute people and not go with the, you know, everything needs to be fixed with social programs. One thing that Sandra Lee Fewer said when I talked to her was that a lot of seismic shifts start in San Francisco. And maybe there's some concern that if Boudin is successful in this approach in San Francisco, that other more liberal cities will adapt this approach. And it will pave the way for even more liberal DAs to be elected. The votes that we cast here are not important just for San Francisco. They are so super important for California and for the rest of the nation that actually has a criminal justice system that needs to be repaired too. This seems like a lot of work, like reforming mass incarceration and the criminal justice system. Yet Mayor Lundenbreed and him didn't get off to the best start. And obviously he's at odds with the police union. So my question is, like, doesn't everybody have to be on board for something like reforming criminal justice to work? Well, earlier in the week, Boudin did say that he'd already had a productive conversation with Mayor Breed. I know we're both committed to making San Francisco a better place for all of its residents. And we can find ways to do that together, and we will. Sergeant Montoya of the Police Officers Association has told me that he's willing to sit down with Boudin and hear him out, and he wants to express his concerns to Boudin as well. You know, he is now the top law enforcement officer in San Francisco. I would be more than, more than happy to sit down with him and discuss some of his policies so I get a better understanding at the same time explaining what my concerns are um, and then hope that, you know, that at some point we can maybe collaborate on some issues and have a better understanding of what our feelings are and not necessarily what the campaign is uh, showing. All of these people are saying that they're willing to sit down with each other. We don't have any way of knowing how that's going to play out until Boudin actually takes office in January. When you see Chase Boudin winning by only a few thousand votes, you know that there's a lot of people in the city who probably don't support what he's trying to do. So do you think that this is going to be a test for San Francisco's liberalism? I, I think it will be a test of whether this more idealistic version of San Francisco can be put into practice. Do people who support Chase Boudin recognize that they're taking a chance with somebody who hasn't, you know, been a DA, who has been a public defender for the you know, last several years of his career and who comes from kind of a radical past. Using supervisor Sandra Lee Fewer as a stand in for the voice of the voters. You know, she told me directly that she recognizes that it might be a risky choice to have a young public defender as district attorney 
but she said she thinks that now's the time to do that. Since President Trump was elected, we've seen political stories like Chesa Boudin's play out around the country. When people feel like they don't have control over what's happening on a national level, they respond at the local level. Whether it's pushing back against policies, people, and systems that they don't agree with, or backing candidates to do that for them. Thanks to KQED's forum and political breakdown programs for interviewing Chase Boudin this week. The tape you heard in today's episode is from those shows, which you can find wherever you get The Bay. Mary Franklin Harvin is a reporter with KQED. The Bay was produced this week by Erica Cruz Guevara, Marisol Medina Cadena, and Julia Scott. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.